Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'd like you to open them to this odd book of our Bibles called the Book of Jonah. It's actually named the Book of Jonah after this prophet Jonah. Now, it is a great series that we get to do for the next four weeks because I, I think it's, just, it's perfect to talk about Jonah before we get into Easter. Because as we get ready for Easter and as we get ready to see so many people make a change in their life, there's no greater story in our Bibles than the story that we find in Jonah about the amazing, incredible power of the grace of God in people's lives. And that's something Jonah couldn't even wrap his mind around. So I think it's a great series that we're going to do over the next four weeks to talk about this prophet. Now, when I just mentioned the name Jonah, even if you're not familiar with the Bible, more than likely you're familiar with this story in the Bible. Now, when I say Jonah, what image comes out in your mind? A whale, a fish. How many see a cucumber? Yeah, remember, remember Veggie Tales? Now, how many remember seeing this one in particular? We are the pirates who don't do anything. I remember that song. I mean, that was a classic Veggie Tales song. We took our kids to see the movie. We owned the DVD. We watched it a lot. And there's something to be said on how Veggie Tales really uh, allows children to understand biblical stories that have gigantic meaning, and they simplify it. But as we talk about the book of Jonah, we're not gonna do the VeggieTales version, all right? We're adults here. We're gonna get the adult version. Don't worry, it's not R-rated, but, but we're gonna, we're gonna kind of do a deep dive into this. Right? We're gonna talk more than just cucumbers and whales here. We're, we're going and exploring this book and the significance that it has to do with our life. Because even though this is an ancient story, it fits our modern context of our lives. Matter of fact, I, I will say that Jonah's story is our story. And today's talk, I'm entitling This Is Us. Now, this isn't based on the TV show, even though how many of you watch that TV show? Uh, my wife loves it. I, I bond with her and watch it with her. It's a TV show that was popularized a few years ago, and it's a story about the complications of, of families and the different dynamics of it. But the bottom line is the title of the, the TV show and, and the title of this talk today have a lot to do with the fact that when we hear a story, it's so easy to just think about it's, this is about somebody else. But what I want to focus in on the next four weeks is as we read the story about Jonah, how do you see yourself in Jonah's story? How do you see yourself in Jonah's story? So with that in mind, let me pray, and we're going to jump in to Jonah chapter 1. Father, I thank you so much again for this amazing venue 
even though we have aircraft flying over us. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would do your work in us. That, Lord, you would let your spirit be felt by everybody that came here. Lord, we want to experience more of you in our lives. So help us to see the things, Lord, that we need to see and to hear the things that we need to hear so that you might do that great work you desire to do in each and every one of us. We thank you in advance for how you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Okay, so Jonah chapter 1. Before I read verse 1, now there's two primary viewpoints of the book of Jonah, just so you guys know and are tracking with me. One viewpoint is that this is a an author giving us a story that is a, a, a very much real historical account. That's one viewpoint. And there's a second viewpoint that says that this is a parable, that this is a story that is being told to give us a message but isn't necessarily true. Now, I don't know what viewpoint you might hold but I will say that both viewpoints can agree on these two things. Jonah was a real prophet, and we read about him in the book of 2 Kings, and he was a prophet in the time of one of the Jeroboam's kings of Israel, very wicked kings, and Jonah talks about him in 2 Kings chapter 14 that he was a prophet under the reign of Jeroboam. We don't know much about whether he was a good prophet or a bad prophet, but according to the story of Jonah in the book of Jonah, uh, he was uh, not a great prophet. Uh, he struggled. He was a struggling prophet. Let's just leave it there. But the other thing that both viewpoints agree on is there is an incredible message that no one is too far gone for the grace of God not to be able to reach them. That the grace of God is so incredibly big that even the people that you have written off to say they are beyond God, they are beyond God being able to do a work in them and for them to be able to change their life. The book of Jonah speaks right into that space. So verse one, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amati. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now I'm gonna unpack a couple things here in these first three verses. Matter of fact, there's three major PowerPoints that I wanna have you take notes of. And here's the first one, write this down. Our judgment of others can mess with our ministry to others. Our judgment of others can mess with our ministry of others. And the reason I want to kind of point that out to you is that we are clued in on why Jonah is running away from this mission. Now, I I will give you historically that the Ninevites were a part of the Assyrian Empire that were very, very mean. They were barbaric, they were merciless, they tortured everybody that they conquered. They didn't just murder people, they made them suffer before they murdered them. Ripped out their tongues and and just completely annihilated their enemies. And that's important to know. 
Because as Jonah is thinking about this word that God is giving him to minister to the Ninevites, he's saying, mm-mm, I'm out of here. And on the map, the historical map, you know, where God was sending him to Nineveh and where he was going to Tarshish was completely a 180 from where he was supposed to go. See, he went as far opposite he could go where God was calling him to go. And that's, just, that's kind of funny. He was like, get me out of here. Now, we read in chapter four the reason why he ran. Because you might think, well, he's running because he's afraid. Like, these guys are barbaric. They're gonna rip him to shreds. And, and he's fearful of these people. And that's why he doesn't wanna take this assignment. But he didn't run because he was afraid of them. He ran because he hated them. In chapter four, check this out. Verse two, so he complained to the Lord. This is Jonah at the end of the story. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. And I don't want that to happen to the Ninevites. This was, this was an us versus them mentality. He goes, God, do you remember what they've done against your people? These are your people we're talking about, God. They, they have been so horrible to us. Why would I want to go and minister to them? For all I care, they could just go jump off a cliff and I'll die. Like this is kind of the attitude behind Jonah and why he's not wanting to minister to him. And I know like the Ninevites and the Assyrian Empire, that, that, that's like you can't really fully understand that. But let's put this in modern context. Let's say you have a group of people that you get around that make you a little irritated and annoyed. Can you think of a group of people? You know, in this season, I think we can all think of a group of people and it's like, yeah, I just, I don't like them. I just, uh, I just don't want to be around them. Just annoying, make me irritable. I just don't like it. So let's say you are praying and God says, that group that annoys you and irritates you that you don't really care for, I want you to go to them and I want you to give them a word for me. How anxious are you going to be to go and give them that word? I don't know. Let, let, let's even make this even more real. Let's say you're at Target and you're shopping and all of a sudden you feel the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to have you minister to somebody at Target. And then, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to minister. And they're going to be right, right on the other aisle. And that's going to be the person. You're like, okay, God, I'm going to minister to them. And you turn the aisle and there's a guy there. He's got that famous red hat, make America great again. And you're like, no, I don't know. Well, okay, maybe, maybe that you're, you're not tracking with me on that. Let's say you're at Vaughn's and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, on the next aisle over, I'm going to have you minister to somebody. You turn around and, and there is the person right there. And you know it's the person that God is having you minister to. And they have this big old Biden-Harris campaign t-shirt on. And you're going, boo! Are you feeling me? This isn't a story about Jonah. This is a story about us. And judgment is alive and well in 2021. And we have to address this, church. Because the Bible talks a lot about this tendency that all of us seem to have. 
even after you've become born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a struggle within each of us to form opinions and biases based upon what we see, what we hear about, what we experience. And then we're off to running to judgment. And we start forming opinions, and that's where judgment is starting to be born. You know, I, I'm hearing a lot, like on social media and stuff, about cancel culture, cancel culture, cancel culture. And I started thinking about this term, cancel culture, and everyone's talking about it. But you know who the original originators of cancel culture were? It was the church. You know that? I mean, think about it. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, like as a, as a, you know, as a growing Christian. And I still remember hearing like, well, we're going to go out and we're going to boycott this business. We're going to tell them we don't like their values and we're going to boycott them and we're going to make everyone hate them. And I remember Amy Grant wrote a song that went on secular radio and everybody came undone in the church. Like, what, what is this culture? The church was the original cancel culture. And now we're getting mad at everybody. Let's cancel this, cancel that. Well, all I have to say about that is that if we remove ourselves and step back a little bit and see what's happening with the story of Jonah, it's God's message to us is that when we put ourselves in the judgment seat, we are automatically moving ourselves into a position where there's going to be certain people that we are not going to be really open to ministering to. I read a book years ago called Repenting of Religion, and the author was talking about all of our tendencies to be judgmental on other people. And he says, I, I, I had a tendency myself, I would go to the mall and I'd people watch. I don't know if any of you do that. But he, he would go to the mall and he would people watch and he'd see all these people walking by and, and he noticed that he would, he would dream up all these opinions based upon how everybody was dressed and what everyone was looking like or what they were doing or what bags they were holding. And then he said, as a pastor, he goes, I, I just, I knew this was not the headspace that God wanted me living in. So he started to do this assignment where he would go to the mall and instead of like forming opinions over people that he would see, he would pray over everybody. And he would say, Lord, I pray a blessing over them and I, I declare over them that you love them and they have unsurpassable worth. And everybody he would see, Lord, I, I pray that you bless them and that God, I declare over them that you love them and they have unsurpassable worth. He did this exercise all the time for weeks and weeks to kind of get this mindset moved out of his life of casting judgment on people. Because once we get rid of the judgment, we will see that we're all on an equal playing field here. We all need God in our lives. And nobody is so far gone that God cannot reach them in the state that they're in. I want to I declare that to you because there are people that God is strategically bringing into your life. And he's bringing them into your life so that you can speak life to their life and bring them a message that will change their life. So as we think about this idea of judgment, let that just simmer Let's go to the second PowerPoint here, and that is there will always be a ship waiting for you. 
There are always, when you don't want to do something, there's always an excuse for you to do something else. How many know that to be true? You know, like, I, I, I just feel convicted. I feel like this is what I need to do. There's always a ship saying, well, just come on. Let's go over here then, bro. Let's just go. Let's do this instead. You know, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that says that every time the devil shows up in your life to tempt you, that God will provide you a way of escape. How, how many know that verse? So there's no temptation that is going to be able to overtake you because God's created an exit route for you. I want, I want to kind of reframe this, and what we see in the story of Jonah is that the devil also has an exit route for you when God has an assignment for you. There's always a way out, and there's always a ship ready to take you in the opposite direction on how God is wanting to move your life. Now, some of you know this to be true because you've taken the ship, and you've went in the complete opposite direction of the direction that God wanted you to go for your life. And maybe you've wound up in a storm like Jonah wound up in. But this is how it goes. This is what happens. God gives you an assignment to do, right? And he starts speaking to you and saying, go to church, go to church. And you're like, I'm going to go to church. I'm, I'm getting up early. I'm getting all my stuff. And then your buddy calls. Hey, dude, somebody backed out. We have uh, like a tea time today at like 930. You're like, oh, that's when I was going to go to church. No, oh, man, come on. There's room for you. We haven't hung out with you. And there's, there's the ship. You have a special prayer time. You're like, man, I'm going to get into prayer time. I'm going to have my time with God. And all of a sudden, your phone starts blowing up and things, people start needing you. And then there goes your prayer time. There's the ship. You're always wanting to make like holiness like a, a priority in your life. And you're just like, God, I want more holiness in my life. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting on the couch and a movie comes on. And it just, you could feel maybe the, the violence or some of the other parts of the movie are just kind of sucking you in. And you're like, oh, there's always a ship waiting for you. And if you're not careful, the Jonah inside of you is, is going to want to take the ship instead of being obedient and do what's right. Because what is right typically is inconvenient and ultimately uncomfortable. And many people would say is awkward. Sometimes God calls you to do things that are going to be inconvenient, awkward, or uncomfortable, and you have to be in a position to say, I'm going to do it anyway, because I know that by following God's way over my way is actually going to lead to a blessing, that we make a decision in following Jesus that we're gonna do what Jesus wants us to do because Jesus is a better manager for our life than we are. And that we know if God is calling us to do something, God has the best interest in our heart. And so if he's leading us towards something, it's because he has a blessing for us, which leads me to point number three, write this down. The blessing is in the obedience. So when you decide to skip the ship, and say, I'm gonna do the hard thing, I'm gonna do the obedient thing, I'm gonna do the uncomfortable thing, I'm gonna do the inconvenient thing, there's a blessing involved in it. So let me tell you something that I've learned over the 30 years of following Jesus. It feels pretty cruddy when you know you're supposed to do something for God and you don't do it. Has that ever happened for you? 
Like you feel this overwhelming sensation like you're to talk to that person. You're to help that person out. You're, you're to do this thing and then you just ignore it, you ignore it, you, you avoid it. Maybe you go in the opposite direction like Jonah did and then afterwards you're like, man, why didn't I do that? Because what you realize in the moment after not doing the thing that you felt God wanted you to do is you feel that overwhelming sensation like I missed out on something that God wanted to do in my life. Think about what Jonah is, is up against. God has this assignment, like the greatest display of the grace of God that has ever been recorded in the Bible was God showing grace on the Ninevites. And God is calling Jonah to be the champion in order to see these Ninevites come to God. And Jonah totally ignores it at first and doesn't do it. It's a bummer. That feeling is just a bummer. You just like you, you feel just like you missed out on just this huge opportunity. I don't know. Maybe you've played the lottery before, the lotto, and you you know the numbers that you are like. If I played, I'd have the lotto numbers. Then the lotto numbers come up one day. You're like, man, I didn't play it. I didn't win. It's like that feeling, like ah, oh, if I only. I, I feel that way sometimes when I miss this prompting and I choose to ignore it. One of the first times I had a prompting to step out, I, I felt like I was to go to a Christian bookstore and bring my radio, and I felt like God wanted me to get my radio. And I was new to this idea of like promptings and listening to God. So I went to the bookstore without my radio. I don't know why. I was like, well, I'll listen to some music while I'm just like seeing, test driving this idea of like being obedient to God. And sure enough, these guys walked in, and immediately I felt like, man, those are the guys that you're supposed to give the radio to. And I just walked out of the bookstore defeated. And I made a vow that day, like, God, if you ever give me assignment, I am never gonna tell you no. I'm never gonna take the ship and go a different direction. Man, I'm so glad that I've said yes to God so many times because it's always a blessing. I've never once stepped out after a prompting and regretted it after I did it. Never one time. Every time something cool happens. Maybe the person doesn't respond like I thought they would, but still, it's a blessing to know, like, hey, God, I, I don't know if you've ever felt like, like God giving you a, I feel like there's a, like God's in heaven going, high five, Jimmy. Like, that's, that's it. That's my boy. Like, but God, I didn't get the results that I thought we were going to get. Like, I, I shared with, they didn't, they didn't come to Christ. They didn't come to church. He's like, but you did what I wanted you to do. You never know the seed that you planted, what I'm going to do with that later. I'm telling you, the heavenly high fives are so powerful. And they're so exhilarating. Like, I've been high on drugs. I hate to admit that. I've been high on drugs. But there's no high like the high of doing something that you know God wants you to do. As an experienced drug user, I'm telling you that right now, take it to the bank, that when you're obedient to God, there's no high like being high on the most high. Come on, tweet that. I mean, it's, it's, it's euphoria. It is so powerful and excitement. I mean, the dopamine levels are off the charts when you do this. And I remember years ago, a defining moment on this principle for my life is Joe had just started soccer. Like he was a little guy and, and he just loved soccer. And we got on this team in Vegas. We were new to Vegas. And uh, this team was just like guys and girls. And there was this 
assistant coach, and she had tattoos, and she looked pretty rough, and she was part of the coaching team, and I was like, man, I feel like the Lord's wanting me to say something to her. And I couldn't shake it the whole time that we're in this like little coaches thing and they're telling us about the season. And I told Tara, my wife, I said, I really feel like I'm, I'm supposed to talk to her about God, maybe invite her to church. And my wife's like, really? <laughs> Are you sure about that? And I go, I, I, can't, I can't, you know, get rid of it. Like this feeling is just all over me. And so the whole practice went on and then everyone's leaving and then, you know, it's that moment, right? The heart starts pounding fast. Like, I know I need to do this. I, I feel a leading to do this, but how is this gonna go? She gonna go, get away from me, you stupid Christian guy. You know, like, whatever. Uh, so all these thought bubbles are going through my mind. I'm like, but I'm doing this. Like, I, this is a moment that I know God wants me to do it. So even if she says no and get lost and I don't care, at least I'm gonna do what I know that I feel God wants me to do. So I, I went up to her says, hey, excuse me, uh, you know, Josiah's on the team, and, and hey, you know, we're looking forward to this, but hey, I, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and I just, I feel like this overwhelming sense that, that man, like, to tell you God loves you, and I think we're on this team on purpose, like God, like God put us on this team for you, and she immediately starts crying, and and she says, wow, you'll, you'll never know what this means. And, and I said, well, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray for you and I wanna invite you to our church. So I prayed for her right there and I invited her to church. And she goes, wait a minute, did you guys, were you, was your church in the newspaper a couple weeks ago? And, and I said, yeah. She goes, I saved that because I, I, I told myself, if I ever go to a church, it's gonna be a church like this. And she goes, and, and that's the church that, that you're the pastor at? And I go, yes. She goes, wow, this is so amazing. The next week she came to church and she never stopped. She gave her life to Christ. She got involved in leadership. And it's just amazing what God can do with a simple nudge and then you stepping out and being obedient to that nudge on the other side. A changed life is a result of that. Now that's a blessing in itself to know that somebody's life was changed by me getting a little uncomfortable and, and a little inconvenient with how I was feeling in that moment. And when you step out to something God is calling you to do, it's gonna feel uncomfortable. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's gonna feel uncomfortable. Just let them know, it's gonna feel maybe a little awkward. And, and turn back to them and say, and it's also gonna be inconvenient more than likely. It's gonna be inconvenient. It's gonna be like, oh God, my schedule, and oh, I got this going, I got that going. Like, oh really, I'm supposed to minister to this guy or this gal? But I'm telling you, the blessing is in the obedience. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so let's, let's go next six verses here. So then the Lord, verse four, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. <laughs> That's just funny right there. The ship's breaking up and he's like, I'm gonna go to bed. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible 
for this calamity. This is a little superstition thing they would do, and they cast lots, and it fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? And Jonah answered this, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he, he had already told them. I, I, I just have to kind of chuckle because think of the contradiction of the statement. Like, yes, I am a Hebrew, and I worship God who created the sea and the land, who's in charge of all of this stuff, basically, and I'm running away from him. I believe this, but I'm doing this. See the contradiction? I, I believe that this is God, and this is how powerful God is, but I'm not gonna do anything that this God wants me to do. Matter of fact, I'm gonna do the opposite. Jonah was a walking and talking contradiction. His beliefs didn't match up with his behavior. See, this isn't a story about Jonah. This is a story about us. Are we living lives of contradiction? Are we living one way and stating we believe another? This is something we all kind of need to wrap our arms around because what I've seen in the last 20 years of following Jesus being involved in the church, one of the leading causes of people rejecting Christianity in our culture is Christians not acting very Christian. Can I get real honest with you guys? Like, this is an issue. What if our lifestyle completely matched up with the words that we say we believe? I believe our world would be changed, but I believe the very vehicle that God is wanting to use to bring a change in the world is being used as a kink in the hose because there are so many people that are saying all the right Christianese, that are saying all the right things. Uh, you know, I love Jesus, and yes, God is powerful, and yes, I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and yes, I have verses memorized, but yet on the weekend, it's like God doesn't even exist. I mean, I'm preaching to myself in my first five years of Christianity. That's what, that was me. I, my lifestyle did not match up with the belief system that I was proclaiming. I remember my first year at Cal Poly. I had all the Christian posters up in my dorm room. I'm gonna lead my roommate to Jesus. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pray for him. And I went there with every intention in the world. And I knew I was in trouble when he started putting up his Budweiser bikini models on, on his side. I was like, hmm. Three weeks later, I was a mess. I was not living the belief system that I had been saying. There's a Jonah in all of us, and we have to circle this because I believe that the grace of God is great enough to cover your most wicked sin so that you don't live in shame. But the grace of God, as I explained to you a month ago, is a, is a two-sided coin. 
One side is unmerited favor, but the other side is power. And that power is there in your life to change your life. The grace of God has been given you so that you are not the same person that you used to be. And you're not perfect. I'm not preaching perfection. I'm preaching about a changed life. There's a difference. You're gonna stumble, you're gonna fall, but your life should be different as you're following Jesus. So that's, that, that's a big idea. Here's the, here's the second point in this part of the text is that our sins create storms. <laughs> and, and the word sin there is simply disobedience. That's the best way I can say it because sin is missing the mark of what God wants for your life. And so if God is saying, I want you to do this and you do this, then that's disobedience and the Bible calls that sin. So when you know that you ought to do something and you don't do it, that's sin. So when sin is in our life, when we're not following God and what God wants us to do with our lives, it's sin. And the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. So the, the thing that, that sin does is it muckies up our lives. And there are two kinds of storms that happen with our sin. There's the natural storms and then there's the supernatural storms. Write this down. The natural storm of, of our disobedience is just the consequences of our decisions, Right? You go out today and you get drunk and you get behind the wheel of your vehicle and you get pulled over, you're gonna go to jail. And maybe you're gonna lose your license and maybe you're not gonna be able to get to work and then you get fired at your job because you, you couldn't get to work like you were supposed to. And all of a sudden you're unemployed, you have no money and you're being kicked out of your, your uh, house because you don't have enough rent. That's a storm, wouldn't you agree? And that storm was a side effect of a bad decision that you made that the Bible says, yeah, that's what sin does. It messes things up and it creates storms in our life that we have to deal with on a regular basis. Some of you are still dealing with storm, a storm that was caused by a decision you made as an adolescent. That's why young people, let me tell you, all it takes is one or two bad decisions to put you in a really, really bad hurricane kind of a storm. When we would do a bunch of outreach at the Las Vegas Rescue Mission, I would see dudes that looked just like me, and, and it just was like so, so real to me that I'm just one decision away from being right with the, where these guys are. I mean, it created an empathy in me, but it also created a reality that there are always consequences for the decisions that you make. And God's not here to just give you a bail out of your problem card today. There are decisions, yes, he loves you and he's forgiven you of that, but you still have to walk through the consequences of that thing that you did. That's a storm. That's a natural storm. The, the second part is a supernatural storm. This is where God loves you and he's not letting you get away with it. Ever been there? I have a saying that if two guys go and rob a liquor store, one guy claims to be a Christian, the other guy isn't, the one that claims to be a Christian is gonna get caught every time. I believe it. I've, I've seen it. I've seen dudes in church like, yeah, I'm in jail. What'd you do? I messed up. Yep. God, God loves you too much to let you just get by with stuff. So if you're moving in the opposite direction, can I give you a word this morning? You can't outrun God. You can't do it. I don't care if you are, you saw him bold or whatever his name is, that you're, you run the fastest 100-yard dash that anybody's ever run, God's still faster. And he will catch you. If he, if he truly loves you, it says in Hebrews 12, he will pursue you even in your disobedience. And some of you grew up with parents that didn't let you get away with too much stuff. 
You ever remember a time growing up when you're, you were just being a knucklehead and, and mom and dad just were like, mm-mm. They didn't let you get away with it. Why? Because they love you and they're not gonna just tolerate that. So you gotta be really careful of the correction of God because God-sized storms are storms you can't escape. God loves you too much to let you continue to mess your life up. And so there will be storms of correction that will come in. And really, the Bible is full of stories about God's correcting storms that he allows and and brings into people's lives because he loves them too much to let them continue to do what they've been doing. Maybe somebody here today, you're in a storm right now, and it's a supernatural storm. Even the sailors knew, like, this is a storm, like, like, different than any storm that we've ever encountered. Like there's something like more horrific than a lot of the storms that we've been through. And and God's using me, this message, to get your attention, to say it's time to make an about face and turn your life over to God. That's where the the storm calms down. But here's the the, the last point I wanna make and have the worship team come up. But just as our sins create storms, our sins hurt others. Here's, here's a fun fact about Jonah. That storm was breaking up the ship that contained a bunch of sailors that had nothing to do with Jonah's decision. And some of you know in your Jonah moment of disobedience that it has actually hurt other people that were innocent bystanders. That I like to say there's always a ripple effect in our life in the decisions that we make that can actually sabotage not only us, but can actually sabotage our families, can sabotage our church family, it can sabotage the the greater uh, community of who's around us and what's happening. And I know in the heat of the disobedience, it's like we're only thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about all the other people. You you talk to a drug addict that is stealing from their own family, if they realize the damage that they're doing to their own family, they they won't even see it because they're so blinded in their sin. They can't see their addiction being so hurtful to their own family. And I think Jonah's kind of having this moment right now. And And I think we gotta take the, scales off our own eyes to see that your decisions impact the other people around you. And if it's a decision of disobedience, more than likely, it's gonna hurt somebody else. Some of you right now are sitting in this amphitheater, have been victimized by another person's decision that had nothing to do with your life. But because that person was in your life, you were hurt. Am I speaking to somebody right now? My life has got a a few of those scenarios, those situations. We just finished up reading through the book of Joshua in our daily reading. And one of the first battles that Joshua and the Israelites had to battle was this battle for the city of Ai. And I always think of this story because it was right after a great victory where they saw the walls of Jericho, the most fortified city in ancient civilization fell to the ground 
just by them marching around. Like they saw movement of God. And right after that, they go to this other city that was super inferior and they lose. They got their rear ends handed to them. They're like, what in the world was that all about? And Joshua has like the most honest, authentic prayer I think is recorded in the Bible. He's like, really, God? So don't be afraid of giving your authentic prayers to God. He can handle it. Can I just tell you that right now? He can handle your authentic prayer. Really, God? Like you're gonna send us and we're gonna just experience this victory and then we're gonna come over here and we're gonna get our rears kicked in and just like, come on. Like, I don't, I don't get this. And that's when God said, there's sin in the camp, Joshua. There's sin in the camp. That's why you didn't have victory. A whole nation suffered because of one man's sin. And it's a message to all of us. There's way more at stake than just your own life. There's a lot at stake. And maybe the fear of God won't prevent you from actually sailing away from the will of God for your life, but maybe seeing your wife or your husband devastated will. Maybe seeing those people on the boat of your life, your friends, your closest friends, and just them being disappointed and, and completely devastated, maybe that will. I, I hope the fear of God would keep you from sailing away. But if that's not enough, maybe the thought of you hurting other people that love you and don't want to see you go through this and don't want to see themselves go through this will keep you from sailing away from the will of God. But our sin hurts others and it's time that we deal with it. Church, Jonah is a picture of us. Are you seeing it? Are you getting the mirror out saying, wait, this isn't a story about an ancient prophet. This is a story about a modern dude. His name's Jim Cruz. His name is whatever your name is. It's your story. God's given us a story because he says, I have great things that I want to do, not just in you, but I have great things that I want to do through you. But in order for me to do these great things through you, you have to realize the Jonah that's inside of you that needs to be dealt with. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.